This is World Cafe. I'm Raina Duris. Gospel music has always offered hope in hard times, light in the dark. Whether you're listening to it or, like the Harlem Gospel Travelers, you're singing it yourself. The primary members of the Harlem Gospel Travelers are singers Ifedayo Thomas-Gatling, George Mirage, and Dennis Bailey, along with Eli Paperboy Reed, who sings with them and produced the latest Harlem Gospel Travelers album, Look Up. The group has its roots in a gospel quartet class Eli taught, and today you'll hear how they all came together, discovered and nurtured their talents, and how the challenges of the last few years inspired the hopeful, powerful songs on the album. Our conversation is on the way after a live version of the title track recorded in the World Cafe studio. This is Harlem Gospel Travelers. Look up. Get you down, and you can't seem to raise your head. Find yourself on the wrong side of time, what somebody said. When you fall. performance of the title track to their new album, Look Up. That was the Harlem Gospel Travelers on World Cafe. I'm Raina Duris. Today, the Harlem Gospel Travelers are my guests. Welcome to the World Cafe. Thank you for having us. It's so nice to have you. First off, maybe we go around. You could introduce yourself, say your whole name, tell us what your role is. Uh, Eli, let's start with you. Okay. Uh, I am uh, Eli Paperboy Reed, professionally known. I am uh, in this band, I guess, the Singer, guitarist, musical director, producer, van driver, all that sort of good stuff. <laughs> Tour manager. 
I am George Mirage. I am the falsetto, the soprano kind of the group. <laughs> That's Mariah. <laughs> I'm Aoife Dow Thomas Gatling. I am one of the songwriters and the one that talks too much. <laughs> I'm Dennis Keith Bailey the third, all around fly guy, always ready to party. I'm just that dude. Oh, I hold down the, I guess the baritone. That's about right. Yeah. We all sing in this guy, so we never know who sings what part. <laughs> well, you formed the core of the Harlem Gospel Travelers. Uh, Eva Dio, I want to start with you. I know that you were around a lot of gospel music growing up. Your mom is a pastor. Mm-hmm. What are your earliest memories of gospel music? So the first car that my mom ever had was like this blue Jeep I, I say it that way because, like, in my mind, I thought it was a limousine because I was like, this car slaps. But, like, when I look back at it, it was so busted. But my sister used to play gospel music, specifically, like, choir music, blasting through the speakers. I think it's why I have a, I'm hard of hearing now. So, like, I just remember, like, sitting in the car, screaming my lungs out, trying to keep up with Hezekiah Walker and John P. Keys. So if it was me, my sister, and my mom, everybody would have a part. My sister and my mom would fight for soprano, and I'd be holding down that alto section. We had no tenors. <laughs> so that was my, like, that's, like, my earliest thought of, like, gospel music. And, of course, you know, growing up in church and having those choirs and, like, always having that one soloist that would come, like, maybe twice a year and, like, tear up the whole entire church. And I was like, one day I'm going to be that soloist. <laughs> So you and George uh, met Eli when you were pretty young teenagers. I know you took a class with Eli. First, could you tell us about that class that you took? So me and George were at this foundation and we were working and, and learning and just doing gospel music. And then Eli came and was like, I want to do a quartet program. Like Eli says, like a lot of times we were just singing background. We A lot of times, you know, when people want to hear soloists, especially in gospel music, they want to hear the women. Me too. But, you know, every now and again, a tenor goes crazy. So um, we were just singing the backgrounds and Eli was like, they should be able to sing the leads as well. And so he started the quartet program. We came along and then I started writing songs. And that's how this kind of thing happened and blossomed and made this. Now, Eli, why were you so adamant that tenors should be allowed to, you know, get out in front like that? He makes it a little bit more simplistic (laughs) than it it was. I mean, I grew up with my gospel upbringing was quite different. It was mostly on records. And the records that I listened to that that my dad had for me were were quartet records, which is usually that was the the men singers, the Blind Boys of Mississippi and, and the Swan Silvertones and the Sensational Nightingales, all that stuff. So those are the singers that I grew up listening to and emulating. And I came to visit this foundation in Harlem and I said, well, why don't you have a quartet program? Because it was all choir music. And, you know, no disrespect to choir music, but that's not really what does it for me. And I saw all these clearly very talented young men kind of being relegated to the to the background. And I said... We ought to give them an opportunity, and, and um, the people that were running it will said, you know, if you want to do it, come on, you know, put your money where your mouth is. So, so, so I did, and and Ife Dio was 14 when he started, so I think it's important to to recognize that yeah. that he came to the group and to the class, and immediately started bringing in these original ideas, and that was something that I was not prepared for or expecting. I was just going to be like, let's learn how to sing the harmony on Dig a Little Deeper in God's Love and all that. And, and he started bringing these, these melodies and lyric ideas that were interesting. So 
kind of from that point on, it became <clears throat> something more than just an education program. I was like, this potentially has a future as something greater and bigger than this. Yeah. Evadaya, what were your first uh, impressions of Eli? I'm so glad you asked this because I always say this to embarrass him. (laughs) So, like, just imagine, like, he said I was 14. And so when I got asked, because they asked me to join the quartet program, and I was like, okay, because at the time I was like, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And I remember them telling me about him and the way they talked this man up. You would have thought I was about to meet, like, the... (laughs) it icon of the time. So I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I got to get it together and just be prepared. And so when I walked in the class and like back in the day, Eli used to walk around. I'm telling you, like flies man on the block. All right. So I walked in the class and this man head to toe, like hair coiffed, the shoes is done, the pants. I was like, well then dag. I was like, all right. And then he started just opening his mouth and hollering. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I was like, body, voice don't match. <laughs> so I was like, at first it was really like intimidating. And I, I don't think I've ever used that word in front of him, but I will say it now. Oh. It was very intimidating at first. And I was like, oh no. And then as I got a little bit more comfortable and I'll give, I'll give this credit to him and say that like, I was not a hollerer belter in public as I am now, I was, because like I said, I grew up on choir music. He grew up on quartet music. So the two kind of merged together to kind of make the sound that we have now. Mm-hmm. But like, it's, if I grew up on choir music, I was used to hollering with a group. It was one thing for me to holler with a group. It's another thing for them to be like, and here's your mic and you holler by yourself. It's like, oh, wait, okay, so I got to make sure I'm on my P's and Q's and, you know, dot every I and cross every T. So... Was there anything that you practiced to kind of get past that initial fear of being out front like that? I will say, like, it took me a very, very long time to get comfortable with being able to use all of my voice and take up space. And if I'm very honest, I will say that, like, I really didn't get comfortable with it until maybe this year. Really? And I think what happened was the pandemic, and I was like... Yeah, all this shy stuff got to go. I was like, I'm trying to be a legend here. So I was like, when I hit the stage, I'm tearing everybody up. I literally called them and I was like, let me tell you something. When I get back on stage, I'm taking no prisoners. (laughs) I'm speaking with the Harlem Gospel Travelers today on World Cafe. We're going to hear you perform another song. Then we'll come back and talk some more. This is Nothing But His Love. Take it away. Harlem Gospel Travelers on World Cafe. I was holding on to more than I 
was the Harlem Gospel Travelers performing live for Royal Cafe. That's a song from their new album, Look Up. I'm Rena Duris. You know, in the album credits for this record, Eli, Paperboy, Reed, you've got some writing credits, uh, like on that song. You're also the producer, and producers is one of those job titles that can kind of mean a whole bunch of different things depending on the project. What does producing a Harlem Gospel Travelers album entail? Most of the songs are Ife Dio songs, and for me... Production on this album meant creating the best canvas for those songs and getting the best performances out of these guys. Now, Ife, you kind of touched on this earlier, but I'd love to get an answer from each of you for this. Is there something that Eli taught you, a piece of advice, something you learned from Eli that you found really helpful while you were making this record? George, you want to start? He really knows, like, for working with us for a while now, he knows he really knows the ins and outs of our voice. Like he knows what would work, what wouldn't work, what would sound maybe better here if we, you know, do it here, maybe we'll place it somewhere else. But, you know, it's really fun working with him in the studio and he helps me out very much in that aspect. 
Mine's just going to sound weird, so I'm going to explain it so you understand why I'm going to say this. A producer's job is to get the best out of you so that you present yourself well on the album. So everybody works differently. Some people need encouragement. Some people need to get upset. And I'm that type of person that needs to get upset because I'm a knuck if you buck kind of singer, which means like, you're not going to tell me I can't do something. So like, we'll be in the studio and I'll be like, all right, I'm done. And he'll be like, no. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? No. And he's like, what? You can't do it again. And so that'll make me mad. And then I'll start singing, singing because I'm mad. I love that. I think some of it is, though, because, I mean, I'm not you. You guys all, for better or worse, respect the fact that I can back it up. If I'm like, I think you can do this because I can do it. I'm going to get up there and sing it that way. And I know for you, Ifedayo, that that makes you matter than anything. Because you're not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to, if, if, if I can do it, then you're going to go ahead and do it too. Because <laughs> you're not going to punk me. I'm so not going like, to punk you. you know? I'm not going to punk you. <laughs> Dennis, what about you? Uh, for me, Eli really showed me how important it is to listen twice as much as you speak. And to open up, take the blinders off when you're creating sometimes well me for me i can get really focused and zoned in and really start becoming very uh, nitpicky and he'll come in and just be like bro relax it sounds great let's do it and then i'll go give a great take and he'll be like and i see see i told you i'll be like all right you're right you're right you're right fair enough (laughs) i'm talking to the harlem gospel travelers on world cafe today uh, Ifa Dio, you wrote a bunch of the songs on this record. You uh, have writing credits on He's On Time, your debut from 2019. You grew up around gospel. You were singing gospel from the moment you could remember hearing it. What is the thing that made you want to write your own gospel music? Nothing at all. I, it literally just happened out of nowhere. We were, we were in the class and I don't know what happened, but like I was like, singing in my head and like coming up with words and I think I just was like hold on you I was like I think I got something and then I just started writing with look up it was a little bit different because you know we were all in the pandemic and I was one of those people that was suffering with depression and I was like okay so what am I gonna do now because it was the first time that I had nothing to do I mean I've always been kind of like a workhorse and so for me to be at home with nothing to do I was like this is not the move and so I started writing the the songs for this album to like really to save myself. You were alone for such a long period of time and I remember when covid sort of started people realized that singing together was one of the most dangerous things that you could do which felt so cruel in this way that this this virus would take that away. What was it like when you got to finally be back together and sing again? The first time we all got back together was to record Fight On. Eli had called me and wanted us to have a song to speak out about the racial injustice that was going on. And the song he had suggested, I just didn't like because I was like, I want my people to be encouraged and I felt like sometimes you can if you get the wrong Negro spiritual it can be very sad if you get the right one it could take you there but I just it just wasn't the right one for at the time and so I was like give me five minutes let me write something and then I I, (laughs) five minutes I was I mean it's what he said I was I was really gassing it but I think I did come back in five minutes like with fight on I was like here and then he was like okay we're gonna record it on Friday and I was like oh Mm -hmm. and like at, at that point like I had 
I hadn't been singing. Like I was so, like I said, I was depressed. So I was like, I don't want to sing. I'm like, I'm at home. Like what? Sing for who? Like, you know, this was the summer of 2020 just to make it clear. Yeah. Right. There's so much going on. And we were talking about recording a song and ahead of, of the massive protests that, uh, um, broke out in New York city specifically. And so that was the, where the time crunch came from. Uh, this was going to be on Juneteenth to put the song out and have it be a part of this protest that was happening right. in Harlem specifically. So when we finally got to be together in the studio, everybody got tested, everybody's wearing their mask. And it was like, wow, I haven't seen you in so long, but also like being there to record that song. I remember sitting in the studio like, this is something like this is this is something different i'm speaking with the harlem gospel travelers today on world cafe um we're going to hear you perform your last song for us but it's actually two songs it's a medley of fight on and hold your head up why do you like performing these together why do you choose to do that i wrote them as two parts so i wrote fight i wrote fight on first and then later on when i was writing stuff for the album i wrote hold your head up as fight on part two could you tell us the story of, of the first time you performed this song live in front of an audience? The first, oh my that was on, gosh. It was, it was on, on Juneteenth, 2020 in Harlem on, a, at a, on, a, at, on the back of a oh, truck. Oh, fight on. I was uh, thinking both songs. In front of the, right. In front of the Apollo Theater. Yeah. I was not singing. So like when we got like this, this gig and they were like, it's going to be for a protest. I was like, okay. This is the one time that we did this live. When we got there, I was like, can y'all sing the verses? So I made them sing the verses the way I originally had planned for it to be. So that's the first time we had sang it, which was with them singing the verses. And then after that, they were like, no, you have to sing the whole song. And so the second time that we had performed it was at that block party. Mm, that's right. And when we performed it that time, it was the first, that was the first time live that I had sang the entire song as the solo. And I was like... Dag, this song is high. <laughs> but I, I will say, like, performing it live as I've gotten more comfortable and as we've gotten more comfortable singing it, because at first I was really nervous because I was like, I'm really talking like my black smack. Like, I was, like, talking about all the business. And I was like, how am I going to perform this in front of, I'm just going to say, in front of people that don't look like, like me? And then I found that, like, People usually either don't pay attention enough to know what I'm saying, or if they do, they're like, okay, cool. So, like, I've yet to be met with, like, somebody that's like, boo. And the moment that that does happen, oh, I'm not the one. So let's let's get it going. I said, fight on for a reason. I'm so excited to, to hear you guys sing it. This is Fight On Into Hold Your Head Up, the Harlem Gospel Travelers Live for World Cafe. Fight on just a little while longer. Fight on just a little while longer. Mm -hmm. Fight on just a little while longer. And I know that. Oh, 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 oh,
committed to your great plan. I know you know what's best for me. I'm only here because of grace and mercy. with the vocals. That was a medley of songs performed live for World Cafe by the Harlem Gospel Travelers. Both of those songs are on their new album, Look Up. You heard Fight On and Hold Your Head Up. The Harlem Gospel Travelers have been my guests today. Thank you so much for performing here today. Thank you for being here. Thanks for the chat. I had a really great time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Raina Duras, back in a moment with more World Cafe.